number 570. <clears throat> Welcome to the uh, services this morning. We've been talking uh, in a series on things that, <clears throat> excuse me, pardon me, things that Christians are. And we've talked about Christians are sanctified and that Christians are justified. We've talked about Christians are penitent. We've talked about Christians are believers. We've talked about Christians are faithful and trustworthy. And this morning we're going to dive into a, another topic of uh, what Christians are. But before we do that, I wanted to uh, tell you a little bit of a story. And then we'll get back to the, maybe the title of the sermon. So I want to uh, give you a little story and you tell me what country or what nation you think we're talking about. So first of all, this nation was founded on godly principles. But at some point it moved away from those and it became dishonest. It became disloyal to those principles and to each other. It uh, got to a point that it really did not know God. It got to a point that there was always cursing and lying and stealing and killing and people committing adultery. To the point the story goes that people were just murdering one after another. When I first read this story, I said, well, that's, man, that's where I live. <laughs> I mean, I work in an environment every day where people are lying and maybe not stealing from the company, but, you know, I see thievery all the time. We've got mass killings going on where whole schools are being attacked and young people are being killed. And I'm like, wow, that's America. That's the country I live in, but it's not the actual story. This is a story out of Hosea. It's a story about the, uh, the uh, nation of Israel. I'll get out of Joe's way. Joe said, man, you stand right there in front of me the whole time. <clears throat> it's a story about the nation of Israel, and Hosea tells this story. And um, So Hosea was uh, prophesying sometime around 770 years before Christ, up to about 725 years, give or take some years, before Christ came. And he's talking about this nation of Israel, and he's talking about all these things that are going on. And here's what he says, my people are destroyed because they have no knowledge. Your priests have refused to learn, so I will refuse to let you be priests for me. You have forgotten the law of your God, so I will forget your children. They had no knowledge and they refused to learn. We're going to talk a little bit about that this morning. In fact, the History Channel goes on to finish this story, or at least this is the way they wrote it, around 722. So again, he quit prophesying around 725. So some two or three years later, the Assyrians invaded and destroyed the northern kingdom of Israel. In 568 B.C., the Babylonians invaded and destroyed the southern kingdom of Judah and took Jerusalem and tore down the temple. The temple was later rebuilt, but for several centuries, several hundreds of years, the nation of Israel no longer existed as a physical nation. In fact, it was what World War I or whatever before Israel was reestablished after Britain took that area. So this nation went away for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. <clears throat> so we're going to talk about Christians are and need to be lifelong learners. 
You see, that's what was going on with the priests. They wouldn't learn. They didn't want to learn anymore. He said they didn't have knowledge and they quit learning, didn't want to learn God's own word for them. And what happened to that nation was it was ultimately destroyed for many, many years. So that's a warning. That's a warning from history. We'll see some other warnings that the Bible talks to us about that as well. But when we say learner, what do we mean? What, is that, what does that word mean to us? Well, surely it means head knowledge, right? It means learn the facts, learn the rules, learn the, and, and that's true. It does mean that. But that's not all that Jesus wants from us. Jesus wants us to put a face on our religion. He wants us to know him. He wants us to fall in love with him as the person that redeemed our sins and is our savior. Now, how do we do that? How, how do we today, 2,000 years after Jesus lived, do that? Well, there's a lot of ways, and we'll have applications this afternoon, but I've got a few hows. And these are more like very, these are just things that you can do to carve out some time for him. That makes sense. So number one, diversify the resources that you intake Jesus and the scriptures from. You can read it, you can listen to it, you can r read about it. So there's books, there's videos, you can go to school. You know, when I graduated, I thought there'd be no more learning. I don't know how many of you thought that. I mean, when, when I graduated high school, I thought, okay, whew, done. And then I okay, I'm going to college. Four, maybe six years later, um, I graduated from college. And I said, okay, I'm done. I'm done with books. Done with books. 57 years old, I got a stack of books on the credenza behind my desk that I still need to read. Now, they're all, those are mostly business books, but continual learning. And when we're thinking about reading books, I got 66 of them I'd recommend to you right, right here. We need to read and we need to study his word. And I'll tell you that sources are going to change throughout your life. And we'll talk a little bit more, more about that. We've got to create space. We've got to redeem our time. And so what time do you have set aside to study and to meditate? You're probably not going to miss lunch. You're probably going to go to work tomorrow. You, you may even, I mean, I've got a family that's dedicated to working out. They will go work out no matter what. I'm not one of them. The family is. But they'll go do those things, right? Because they've set aside that time. It's important to them. They're going to go do that. When have you set aside or what time have you set aside to study? No matter what happens, me and the Lord are going to talk and I'm going to read his word when? When is that time for you? What time have you redeemed? What time do you give back to him? And an hour here is great. Everybody come, everybody be here. I encourage that. But that's not enough to put a face and to fall in love with Jesus. It's just not. Think about the first century church. Man, they were together all the time studying and house to house studying the scriptures and learning from those scriptures. There's a lot of stuff up there. You can listen to Christian radio stations. You can re-listen to the sermons here. They're online. There's other churches in the Brotherhood whose sermons and videos are online. There's all kinds of information out there that you can use to study and create space in your life and redeem your time. 
mind the mindless moments. So keep a journal of how much time you spend in front of the TV this week. I know for me that'd be scary. Now a lot of times I've got the laptop in my lap and I'm studying, I'm learning, I'm doing other things at the same time. But we have a lot of mindless moments. And the bottom one there says lifelong learners means developing a resistance to simply vegging out. You definitely need to relax. You need some time to recuperate. There's no doubt about that. But a lifelong learner realizes, okay, I've vegged enough. I've got to get busy. There's stuff that's more important. You create a resistance to that. Mind your mindless moments. And adapt to new media. This is where I started. Then we had eight-track tapes and cassettes. Then we moved on to CDs, and now we've got computers and e-learners, and now we've got all this social media. And I would say at the same time, I'm saying adapt to those things and learn from those things. Be careful what you're intaking, right? Because there's a lot of people on social media that are wrong, and you need to spend time in those 66 books so that you know when you're spending time in those other areas whether you're getting the right information or not. Commentaries are good. Books are good. There's a lot of media out there that can help you. And when I say embrace this concept of being a lifelong learner, this basically means get committed to it. Well, how am I going to get committed to it? Become a coach. Host a Bible study. I've been hosting in my house for two or three years. Luckily, I've got Matt helping me. Chris helped me last week. He, did, uh, he uh, talked to us about the book of Hebrews last week. We've had people come in and lead those different studies, but when you're responsible to get up here or to, to get in uh, front of a group of people, guess what? You want to master the subject. And maybe we can't master it like the master, but we can understand it. We can become what's called a subject matter expert so that at least we can answer a few questions and talk intelligently about whatever it is that we're talking about. And you'll be committed, because if I know all of y'all are coming over to my house on Wednesday night and we're going to study X, between now and Wednesday, I'm going to spend a lot of time studying X, right? Figuring out what it is. So, so when you ask me a question, I don't go, hmm, I don't know, right? We're going, to, we're going to have some scripture to read. We're going to study. We're going to understand that because I'm committed to it. I've committed to you that I'm going to do that. No different than somebody saying, hey, Yancey, speak on being a lifelong learner. Well, for the better part of a month, I've been studying it and researching it and doing different things, not constantly, obviously but putting thoughts together in my head. So if you're committed, if you're a coach, if you're doing those things, you will, um, you'll pick it up. And you won't forget it near as fast. Collect resources. Collect those things and read those things. Collect books that are talking about subjects that you're interested in. And finally, you can write a blog or, a, or what they call it now, a vlog, a, a video log or whatever. Um, you, you can be committed to every Monday I'm putting out or every once a month, one Monday a month, I'm writing a blog on a spiritual subject. Guess what? You're going to study for 29 days to make sure that your blog or your vlog or whatever it is is right, that you're putting down intelligent arguments, right? But now I'm committed. I've got to do it because there's a time frame. So all of those are things to just kind of put, put, a, put a, a, a place on the calendar that says by this date I've got to understand why. X, from X to Y by when, that's a business term. I'm moving from this to this, and I'm giving myself a date when I'm going to do it. I'm going to learn. Becoming a lifelong learner. 
Well, why? Why do I want to commit to those things? Why do I want to get all, other than the story we heard, heard in Hosea that should um, kind of scare us a little bit? What are some other reasons that I might want to learn or become a lifelong learner? Why do I want to spend the time in the word that I need to spend? Well, for number one, it's part of Christ's desire for us. So look at this passage in Matthew. It says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the, nature, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the world. It says, teaching them. Who is them? These disciples. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations and teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. What, what, is, what are disciples? What does the word disciple mean? I know, I'm, I know you're not, you probably know, but you're not answering. I appreciate that. So disciple is a noun. Guess what it means? A learner, a scholar, one who receives or professes to receive information from another. As a verb, it means to teach or train or bring up. So Michael went and discipled the Nigerians. He converted them. He, he taught them. He trained them. That's a verb. As disciples, as people, as nouns, we're to be people that want to learn, to, to, to be a scholar. In, in Acts it says, So Barnabas went to, went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And at Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. So here we find disciples and Christians being mentioned synonymously as the same thing. Well, what are Christians? Christians are Christ followers. What are disciples of Christ? They're followers of Christ, so it means the same thing. Disciples and Christians is a synonymous term for somebody that's following or learning from someone. So here's a question. As you sit here today in 2019, how do you follow Christ? He's not here. He's not sitting here where Joe is sitting here. He's not somebody that when he gets up and leaves the building, we can all go follow him. The disciples followed Christ in the first century very literally every day of their lives until Christ was crucified. They followed him. He taught them verbally. How do we, our name means we're followers of Christ. How do we do that today? We don't do that watching TV. Probably, unless you're watching a religious show on following Christ. But having accepted that, how do we follow him? We get in his word and we learn about him. We put a face on our religion and we learn to love this Jesus that gave himself for us. That's how we follow him. That's what our name means. That's what our name means, that we wear every day so proudly. I'm a Christian. What's that mean? Watch a lot of TV. <laughs> no. It means that we're in the Word, learning the Word. It's vital for the church's survival would be another why. He must hold firm. This is out of uh, Titus talking. <clears throat> he must, or Paul writing to Titus, to tell Titus that you must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught. Why? 
so that you may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. You can go on to read the rest of it. But we've got to learn so that when people are telling us that we should do something, we can go, no, nah, that's not what the Bible says. That's not what the Word tells me I should or shouldn't do. We've got to know the difference. And the only way we know is to follow Jesus through reading his scripture. It's built into the very structure of the church. It's built in that when we come to church, we're going to teach and we're going to learn and we're going to help each other. It says the, 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 <coughs> says the elders should be apt to teach. It says the elders are preaching and teaching. It says, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their, their faith. It's part of the fabric of the church is another reason that we should want to learn. It's our name. It's who we are. It's what we're, we're, it's what we're built for. You ever think about that? I mean, from the very time you were a little bitty baby, you're learning. 57 years old, I hadn't quit learning. My dad's 84 years old. He hadn't quit learning. He was sitting there with a laptop in his, in his lap and his, his grandson showing him how to do something on the laptop just a weekend ago. He's still learning. His login, well, I better not give his ID, never mind. <laughs> but his login is, is, is synonymous with this concept that I'm, I'm trying to learn how to do something. 84 years old. We don't ever quit learning. The question is, what are we learning? And where's our focus? So just like Hosea warned the, uh, Israel, the, the, the Israelites, the, the nation of Israel, so the New Testament warns us as Christians today. We studied Hebrews this week. In Hebrews it says, for when, when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. So we talked about Hebrews quite a bit this week, written to Hebrew Christians in the first century. And they were struggling with wanting to go back to Judaism. And he's like, no, 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 you're, that, you, you're, you're, you're missing the mark. You're still on milk. We need to get you on solid food. Second Peter would, or Peter, there's only, there was only Peter, but in his second book, Second Peter, he basically um, talks to us a little bit like uh, Hosea did. He says this, Evil people that forgot what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah and during the time of the flood. So he, he's, he's at near the end of the book here, and he's like, um, there's going to come a time when there's evil people out there. They're not going to have any concept. They're not going to have any reckoning of what happened at Sodom and Gomorrah. They're not going to understand what happened during the flood, the whole reason the flood came. Because everybody was evil continually, right? You could only find eight souls to put in the ark. They're not going to recognize that. There's going to be false teachers refusing to follow the master. It's going to happen. And, and there's going to come a day, there's going to come this second coming when it's going to feel like a thief in the night broke into your house and stole something. You're gonna, you're not, there's going to be these people that aren't aware. And when I think about that every day of my life and I read all of the news and the false news and the news about false news and everything that's going on out there, it just, it boggles my mind that the Lord has let us go on this long. 
It really does. This same verse, this same chapter talks about him being long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. It just, Christ wants us all to come to him. He wants us to put a face on him and on our religion. He wants us to put his face on us, rather. Second Peter finishes it up in chapter 3, saying, Dear friends, you already know about this, so be careful. Don't let these evil people lead you away by the wrong they do. Be careful that you do not fall from your strong faith, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Glory be to him now and forever. Amen. So that's my admonition to us this morning. The clock ran real slow for me this morning. I thought this was about 30 minutes. Maybe it wasn't. Um, or maybe I just went real fast. But as Christians, we've, we've, we've learned from uh, the, the sermons already that I mentioned earlier about being penitent and about being faithful. And today we learn, we learn that our very name means that we want to learn more about Christ every day. That's what our name means as Christians that we wear. And so I would encourage you, we'll have applications this afternoon, but I would encourage you as you walk, as you walk out today to start thinking about carving out that little piece of my life besides being here every Sunday morning and Sunday afternoon, carving out some time when it's just you and, and, and Jesus in the scripture creating that personal relationship and becoming a lifelong learner. Let's not be like Israel. We can't do much about America, but we can, we can make sure that it doesn't feel like a thief in the night when he comes for us. We can handle that. We can fix that. We can study and we can understand Jesus and we can understand our role and we can be faithful to him and we can be a follower of him and we can have a loving, trusting, personal relationship with him. So we're actually going, Jesus, come. Please come. I need you to come today. I'm tired of all of this. I don't mean y'all. I mean all of that, the world. I'm just tired of it. I'm ready to go home. When we can get there, and mean it. <laughs> I've heard people pray for it, and I'm like, mm, man, I'm going on vacation this week. <laughs> Can we put it off a week? There's still some stuff down here I'd like to enjoy. But when we can move the other way and, and really mean, Jesus, I'd just come, put your arm around me, take me home. I'm, I'm ready to go. There's nothing down here that I love more than I would love seeing your appearing. You can get there. You just got to spend a lot of time in here. You got you to gotta fall in love with Jesus. You got to fall in love with what heaven's going to be for us. If there's something we can do for you, if you'd like uh, the prayers, if you'd like uh, any help that uh, myself or Matt or anyone here can, can do for you, if you come forward while we stand and sing, we'd be glad to serve you.